Dutch, shall we? You're listening to the first ever in-person, in-depth, some-depth episode with Neve and Daisy. We're a place for friendship, feminism, and cultural titties. <laughs> we want to keep you keen while you quarantine, keep you up to date while you watch <laughs> We only have 30 minutes to rock your world because we need to make our dinner soon. And knowing <laughs> some of you, that won't be a problem. This is really weird doing it. Well, I won't lie to you, listeners. We're sitting on my bed in Catvike on Sea. Yeah. yeah. Look it up. Uh, it's a coastal village in the Netherlands. It wasn't ready for Daisy and I. <laughs> We're here now. And uh, yeah, we live together now. How wild. I don't know if like, the daydream occurred to any of you during quarantine. Like, oh, you know what I'd love to do right now is move to a coastal village in the Netherlands. Just a really remote in the Netherlands and then live there with Neve and Daisy in in a nice little semi-D cottage Mm. with a wraparound garden with grapes growing on the vine we have a killer garden like we were saying the other day it's kind of like cottagecore lesbians fantasy yeah it's beautiful absolutely we walk around the house in full length dresses and Birkenstocks we go for long walks on the beach yeah we make overnight oats together and we, drink wine in the evenings. Yes, and we are having a great time. <laughs> Have we painted enough of a picture for you? I Good. think I think we are living in a fantasy, Daisy. This is like, <laughs> this is actually we're actually still at home quarantining. Yeah, I mean the other day I was like, mm, if I die tomorrow, I'd be like, all right. Okay. <laughs> like, this is this has been great. <laughs> do we want to do any shout outs for people, Daisy? Yeah, I wanted to shout out to Richie Colleen because I looked at the date when I woke up this morning and it had a three and a September and I panicked and I thought it was Richie's birthday and I sent him a full happy birthday message that was like really emotional and like about how much his friendship means to me and then I realized that his, his birthday isn't until the 13th of September. That's the most Daisy story I've ever heard. <laughs> and he was like, thanks. <laughs> the chaos we live for. So shout out to Richie. Sorry for interrupting your morning. <laughs> and shout out to May as well because her birthday is actually tomorrow. She's my cousin. And it's also uh, the same birthday as Beyonce. And if you met May, you'd believe it. So, Amazing. There we go. Uh, we'd also like to shout out uh, new mates of ours here in the Netherlands. Um, Max and Charlie. Welcome. Woo! Welcome to the crew of two. I know it's been a shock for them to go straight to the top of someone's top 16, but Here we buckle go. up, guys. Here we go. Um, uh, also, shout out to Hannah Downey, who was our first ever dinner guest yes. last night. We yes. were so excited to host. I think we terrified her. Yeah. She, and, had, she was really willing participant. Oh, though. yeah. She, she had a great time. And an also, also a shout out to um, O'Casey's Bar, O'Casey, O'Casey's Irish Bar in The Hague. Mm. They're actually really sound people. And uh, we, we thank you always for your service to uh, the Irish community here. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, days. We are here in person and we are recording a podcast. It feels strange. It I feels, like it. It feels like, and it's something that we've been speaking about this week. Uh, it's September. It's yeah. back to school time. Yeah. It's the time for sharpening your pencils, like buying new books, the smell of new books, getting your yeah. school supplies in order. I know that we haven't been in a school for a very long time. No. But I still like to get my crap in order. Yeah, I like to buy my highlighters. I like to keep a, a scholastic book fair voucher in the back pocket of my bag. Just yeah, in case. just in case. You never know you'll run you into know. it. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and it does smell like a scholastic book mm. fair. Yes. Yeah, 
It actually reminds me, Daisy, of one of the things that I wrote down as my, uh, what I was doing on the internet this week, which is um, updating my uh, desktop wallpaper. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> for anyone listening, I had a brief insight into how Neve's mind works when it took her four hours to select her desktop screensaver, which she told me she changes based on season. I don't even know what mine is. Like, I'm not sure. She, she's very, she's very, like, concerned in her environment yeah. and how how things bounce off the atmosphere the atmosphere <laughs> and stop? part of that is the desktop screensaver apparently i'm just going to give the listeners a brief um overview of what i went for so i've gone for it's actually a it's a van gogh still life but it was a practice study for his actual his famous sunflowers still yeah. life so it's um, a darker composition of kind of sunflowers laid uh, laid down on the, mm. on a table with some kind of you can see the light coming in from from the foreground, mm. um, and it's uh, it's my desktop screensaver now from my Toshiba, mm. and um, it, it it brings it feels autumnal, you know, because it, it I went through a couple of stages trying to find the right one, but I think I think we did, Daisy. But you know what's funny? I mean, I laughed because I thought it was silly, and then when you settled on it, I said, "Wow, that's." It's the right one, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Because neat. we had decided on one and it just didn't feel right. It was jarring. It was just, it was out of, yeah. it was out of kilter. And now I see what you mean. So there you go. Art comes in all forms, you know. Will we tell them a little bit more about what we've been doing on the internet? Do you have a Do you have anything you'd like to share? Or we do... start with a block list and a follow list. Mm, let's start uh, with a negative. I always like that. Yeah. <laughs> let's okay. Start with your let's block jump list. right in. It's been a while since we've done a block list, so let's just let's just get down and dirty with it. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to first uh, first announce. Um, I blocked at Nate underscore punished on Ooh. Twitter. I will only um, read out the descriptions of these accounts today. It is described as being an account of sophisticated tweets for distinguished gentlemen. Oh god. Uh, with the emoji of a cross. I know. Second account is at countless Sussex. <laughs> I, I blocked them as soon as I saw the first two words, but actually as I read the rest of it I was like, yeah actually I was right. Love life, love family, Brexit is done, kingdom come. Say what you will, it's actually not bad rhyming structure, but... No, but reading between the lines, I, re- I see nothing. <laughs> yes. The, the last one that, I, that I'll read out as my block list today is Pious Skelet, and their, uh, their description is Flag of Sweden, Flag of Scotland. Fascist, I'm mostly here to shitpost and talk with people that I like. The white race cannot survive without dairy products. <laughs> So, they're all the people I blocked on the internet, but not before I went down a rabbit hole of deep diving into their tweets and like fully like just ripping them apart and reporting them all. And I report them if it's a racist tweet. What I do is I report it for hate speech, yeah. but I also report it for um, inciting violence. So I go, I report it once, and then if it's a really bad one, I go back and I report it twice. Yeah, and I mean. That's fair enough, but the reference to dairy products? I know. I know, it's a bit... It's, it's a, a strange, it's a strange, like, tack to take. I know, I know. Maybe you want that. I, I, think, this, I think this guy also hates vegans. But anyway. Tanner bets he has IBS. Yeah, oh, oh, one But he's hundred. doing it out of spite. But he, he, he has a lot more issues to work through before he gets to his IBS, Daisy. 
Tell me about your follow list. <laughs> my follow list, um, first on the follow list is Talia Heffernan. Just a shout out to Talia because um, in this month's issue, the September issue of The Gloss, you'll see uh, some photos of good old Talia, like being an absolute trooper and being an amazing model that she is, uh, corralling my dog, Barney, on the photo shoot. It's iconic. We, no, it's I, honestly iconic. I think the vibe was like, yeah, let's get a dog in and make her look girl about town and like lock down Dublin. And it was effective because she isn't good at her job. Yes. But there was a sandwich in the vicinity and I was playing like, you know, toddler mom off camera yes. trying to corral Barney to like clicking and like trying to get him to come over yes. but he was so distracted by this child with the sandwich and you can see it in the photos he wasn't very cooperative but she's on my follow list I gave her a follow and I was like thank you um, also Neera Soda she's um, an Indian chef and she hands out real good recipes and Neva's really 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 a big fan incredibly impressed Indian food and I was daring enough to make a curry and she liked it so shout out to Neera Soda it was incredible um, another thing actually that I think the listeners should know is that when we first arrived in the Netherlands uh, last week full of sprite and mm. hope and cheer and excitement for my graduation ceremony we actually didn't move into our house first we actually moved into a, a dear friend of mine's Morgan's studio apartment first um, so shout out to Morgan for letting us stay there but while we were there Daisy and this is where we move into our watch list because the people need to hear okay well while we were there Daisy can't make eye contact with me because she knows what I'm going to say we watched a film okay by Woody Allen I know I, I have the same thoughts yeah by Woody Allen called Midnight in Paris and we thought you know it got pretty good reviews we're tired let's just stay in and watch this yeah. movie yeah you know? can't be that bad Rachel yeah. McAdams is in it was yeah. my line of yeah, same I love that girl yeah so anyway, Daisy, do you have any initial responses that you'd like to share about Midnight in Paris? I'd, I'd have rather been slapped across the face with a wet dishcloth. Oh, one, I would rather <laughs> have been smothered with a wet fish. No, but you know, it was a movie. It was a movie. It was very much a movie, but it was um, like so bad. And I sometimes think that because, like, that you brought this up the other day, Eve, because Woody Allen. Annie Hall I watched recently and loved and I think that that has its place in the Hall of Fame for for like for what it meant at the time but I don't think he's Alan is doing anything more important or breaking any new ground or even being funny it was it's a it terrible was, movie it was the characters had no depth yes okay, you didn't so just, care what happened to just them. to explain to the listeners it, uh, midnight in paris is essentially about this like undiscovered genius american writer who's it's maybe early noughties and he's in paris with his fiance and the fiance is rachel mcadams and she's kind of painted as being this like uh, vapid ridiculous american woman who isn't interested in art or history or culture and she's just running around trying to get shopping bags in and Paris. she wants him to live in laguna and she wants to just live in laguna beach and can't understand why he'd want to live in paris where it's raining all the time and again this is where we get back to a ridiculous thing which is americans romantic obsession with rain in europe i just want to walk through paris in the rain you're asking to get a flu yeah like do you want chill blades? do you want to accidentally step on a wet rat no they don't understand it they don't understand um but then anyway he it, the whole trope is that you know he's the undiscovered genius he has this awful awful bitch of a fiance yeah and he keeps running into these amazing gorgeous french women who are just not that kind of 
of girl TM tropes. And like it does have this kind of fantasy side to it, which I suppose is enjoyable the first time that it dips into it, where he goes back in time and he's, he's, he's able to show his works to his like great literary heroes like Hemingway and he approves of it. But I don't think that there was any kind of a, it was a bit just like, it was a bit patting the main character on the back repeatedly without any kind of conflict brewing or development and none of the female characters had any depth in fact none of the any of the characters they were actually but the female characters especially was just like that classic thing of just being used as props for the development of like the male characters thread exactly yeah but i think that what's so interesting about it is one and I'll say no more about it but one I watched being John Malkovich over quarantine and you could tell that Woody Allen was trying to do that really bizarre mm. kind of fantasy like doesn't make sense and slips into a time surreal hole kind of kind surreal, of surreal stuff, thing yeah. but it didn't work out because it actually just seemed like a really bad badly written rom-com mm. and it's funny because we also watched this week one of the best rom-coms of oh, all time the God. defining rom-com you've got mail i hadn't seen it and uh neve stuck it on the other night and we had last one and watched it and oh my god i think it's shot like one of my favorite movies it is so good and comparing it to midnight in paris i know that like like movie obsessives or would like scream to even hear that i would but like you honestly i mean let's be let's tear back the name woody allen and what is midnight what the heck exactly it's an entirely vapid terrible movie exactly but that's actually just a really bad rom-com also for anyone listening who like loves midnight in paris and hasn't seen francis ha you need to go and watch francis ha by greta gerwig because it's better or sorry no bob no boban but it has um greta gerwig in it because it's far superior and it's got an incredibly like layered interesting plot about female friendship which is like an underused storyline yes but also like even aside from that you've got mail is a better film oh yeah and i know people don't want to hear that but it is it is it is the the characters are properly developed the storyline is interesting decisions in it make sense yeah it has a really interesting anti-capitalist aspect to it which i didn't expect i didn't expect it sort of stood the test of time it did yeah and it's it's a lovely because i think the thing about midnight in paris as well is that it's a picture of paris that's been painted by an american yeah. Who doesn't know Paris and describes Europe as if it's a country. Parisians, like that kind of situation. Parisians wouldn't dream of portraying something so empty. Like, it just looked like Woody had just been like, the setting of Paris will build up the romance. I don't need to inject that into exactly, the script. Exactly. And like, he didn't. There's no, there's, it's, it's an American's idea of Paris. But I think what's so good about You've Got Mail is that it's a description of New York in a time and place that's very true to form. Yeah. And it's a description of New York in a time and place. It's a description it, of New Yorkers. Exactly. In New York. And in New Yorkers in New York at a time when the city was changing. Yeah. And it, it's realistic to that and it's true to that in a way that Midnight in Paris isn't to Paris. It's also, it's not cynical. And the thing is, You've Got Mail is like about dating. It's not even about love, really. But Midnight in Paris is really supposed to be a love story, but it ends up just being like he's in love with himself, this guy. Yes, and it didn't it didn't age very well at all. No. No. Anyway. Anyways. That's a comment that uh, needed to be needed to be said. That's our little watch list for the week. We've actually also Daisy has gotten me into a uh, a television 
programme. Oh, Kate and Eliza will know this one. And actually Emma Taylor too. But Dead to Me is one of my favourite shows on Netflix. And I came across it because Kate Cox introduced me to it. I didn't expect to like it at all. Because it at first strikes you as like one of these kind of Californian dramas that exist on Netflix. And you're like, I wonder where the plot will come from. But these are some of the most well-written characters I've ever come across and Christina Applegate is amazing she's incredible she's so good Linda Cardellini is beautiful and amazing just for the record I have not been this into a television series since Downton Abbey yeah like I well actually I did kind of watch The Crown but I wasn't like engulfing it Mm. you know in the same way I was Daisy you saw me last night I was on the edge of my seat she literally had edged out her arse was like on the far end of the seat yes and she was looking at me and then looking at the television looking at me and like the writing it's so well written it's captivating and you care desperately about what happens to each character even though they're also like morally skewed and it's just it's really 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 good it's really interesting I still can't predict what happens and I've seen it twice yeah, I, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really happy with it. And then another one that we've been watching is Living With Yourself. Yeah. Which again has that surrealist kind of aspect to it. It's, it's actually a really, it's one of those um, uh, conceptual things. So it's like the whole thing is built around this concept of like, what would happen if there were two of you? And like, how would you conduct your life that way? And usually when there's like a crazy concept, you need like a really good actor to carry out that concept so like for the Truman Show Jim Carrey did it really well exactly. like for Freaky Friday like the, the uh, what are they which is Freaky well the remake <laughs> Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis did a great job <laughs> but you know what I mean they need John someone... Malkovich it was Malkovich, Malkovich yeah Malkovich, like you Malkovich. kind of need someone really iconic to pull it off but so they have Paul Rudd in the main the like main character and then they have Ashling B as his wife and they have amazing chemistry amazing chemistry and they're the script is so funny they've managed to blend like kind of the cynicism of what Irish people would find funny mm-hmm. with the sort of slapstick American comedy Absolutely. but they've done it it's well it's expertly done yeah I really enjoy it I think what it reminds me of days is something that I showed you during the week that I watch sometimes daily depending on <laughs> depending on where I am in my cycle but um <laughs> Paul, it's a it's a video of Paul Rudd interviewing himself. Oh, I think we'll all remember that internet trope of uh, there was kind of a meme at one point of um, Paul <laughs> Paul Rudd. He was on Hot Ones. Yeah, the hot the hot the chicken wing show. Yes, he was on the chicken wing show, and he just kind of was coming out with such ridiculous things. But at one point, he says, "Hey, look, look at us. us. <laughs> hey, you look at us. You know the ones. Who would have thought of us?" Not me. Not me. Not me. So it's basically a 15 minute clip uh, that's been edited of like Paul Rudd during that interview where he's actually facing himself. And there's a conversation edited where he's talking to himself. And I think it's one of my favorite videos. He's just such a charming personality. He's so wholesome. He's so wholesome. And a great actor. I will say he is the. this is a bit now. I, okay. I don't know if I don't know if the world is ready to hear this. I am. I would say that he could be the hosier of the US. He's just such a sound, genuine man. Yeah, he's a he's a fave. He's a fave. He's an unproblematic an fave. An unproblematic fave. Mm. Yeah, I, he, he's up there with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Also, that's that that's funny. I should have 
arranged to talk about the when Hosier posted a video of himself with the filth. Did you see that? He, Hosier tends to post things to his public story because he forgets to put them yeah, to his post private friends. story. Yeah. And one time he was like, he posted a video of himself swearing, chasing a bunch of badgers. Through oh the yes, middle. yes. And then this week it was. <laughs> front facing camera filter which gave him like a movie star face oh yes and he was it was handsome squidward yes. yes so amazing oh so oh, good god but another thing actually speaking of hosier uh i can't remember if i mentioned this before but he uh, has spoken out about direct provision um quite a lot on his social media platforms and in a freedom of information request from the um, Department of Justice, mm. it turns out that actually the Department of Justice has been monitoring the tweets and tweet activity yeah. and social media activity of activists who are speaking out against direct which is provision. Very disturbing. Which is incredibly disturbing, and we can only imagine what we're, they're doing with that information. But Hosier, the bloody legend, because he he was he's mentioned it in in that report multiple times. He um, called them out. He Love just it. called them straight out and said, hey, if you can afford and you have the resources to hire people to do this, you have the resources to abolish direct provision. Like, but this is the thing. And it's true. It's all true. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any Do you have any hot takes or do you want to move to poetry? Mm, I actually only had like a couple of hot takes this week. Go on. <laughs> can I hit you with this one? Okay, go on. I was thinking about it today when we were walking around the Dutch uh, neighbourhood. But, um... I think the Dutch people are a miserly people <laughs> and I think the reason that they have narrow cars and they have narrow stairs and narrow houses and narrow houses is because they won't pay for more square meterage it's true and they fold themselves into these tiny places it's true because they're 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 very narrow people themselves yeah and generosity generosity is sort of associated with the Catholic hospitality and the front room and this is another thing that's connected to this that they tend to have their kitchen at the front and then this massive aquarium like window so you can see right into whoever's cleaning the dishes no this isn't an exaggeration it's really odd it's really odd because it's like why is that the facet of your home life that you want to show the front you know what I mean yeah the dirty dishes in the window I realised the only thing that we would put in our window is our Christmas tree I was like oh they must have terrible Christmas trees. So my hot take is that the Dutch Christmas trees are probably shite. Yes, well, it's because they're all full of blackface, Daisy. Um, uh, sorry, that's just a, a reference to Sinterklaas, Blackfeet. Yeah. You can Google it in your spare time, although I wouldn't really bother. It's, mm. uh, it's a dodgy, dodgy tradition. Mm. Here, um, okay, so I have a hot take, and it's, again, something I mentioned to you during the week. You can tell a lot about a country from its supermarkets. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is true. We scored the place yesterday looking for mango chutney and not a, not a single supermarket. Not a thing. Not, no poppadums whatsoever, but just like endless, endless pickled things. Yes, and packets of dill. Yeah. yeah. How much? How many things can you put dill in? I don't know. It's a very strange it's taste. It's a very strange taste. Yeah. Do you have another one for you? Just to add to that, you can, yeah, you can tell a lot about a country by its supermarket, but you can tell a lot about a woman about the way she makes rice. It's true, true. I feel like all of my friends make rice slightly differently, and I've just developed a new way of making rice. Was this the way, way you made it yesterday? Mira Soda's way. Yes. I'm gonna make that way for the rest of my life. Yes, it was delicious rice. It's long, but it's worth it. It's and it's nice and fluffy. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um. So my hot take is that LinkedIn, yeah, is 
well, well, obviously it's a hellhole, but it's also the culmination of everything that is wrong with the job market in late stage capitalism. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I feel that there will be a time in the offing where we look back on LinkedIn and go, wow, that was super unhealthy. Why did we all engage in that kind of behavior? Yeah. It's, because it's, 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 it's kind of psychopathic. It's really weird. And I hate the way that it's very prescriptive in its advice on how you handle social things that yeah. humans should l- really learn on their own. Like I logged on this week and there are like all these tips that Ariana Huffington and those people are sharing. Mm. Like what to do if you've experienced something embarrassing at work. It's like those are skills that we as a community are supposed to teach each other. Mm. We shouldn't be learning them from LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, I say this is someone who updated their LinkedIn profile today, but like, you know, it is... It's but you those, have to. This exactly, is the problem. It's, it's, a a really stra- it's a really strange facet of like existing and trying to like pedal in, in a wheel of late yeah. stage capitalism. And I also just want to remind everybody out there that I have LinkedIn Premium and I can see it when you look at my profile. <laughs> you know Say no are. more on that one. <laughs> you know who you are. Okay, I'm going to leave you one last hot take, okay? Because this one's important to me. Every single time that I was riding around town during quarantine, I saw the like plasterboards where they have like normally they'd have like mcd production advertisements on them Mm. or whatever Mm -hmm. everywhere slapped around town was a melda mays poem you don't get to be irish irish and racist and i would just like to say the problem that's been highlighted a million times by black people by people of color and by blm activists in ireland is that you do get to be Irish and racist and that's the problem yeah. Imelda May and RTE that you're actually you know like platforming a poem by a white woman in response to you know this discussion in racism is just so off the mark and mm. so frustrating in terms of how media in Ireland works yeah and how it really at the end of the day is like a small group of people that really are resistant to anything new and like the fact that hiring a black artist and making sure that their poem is center stage is new is kind of disgusting. It's it's not thought of. It's, it probably it's, wasn't even mentioned in the, no. in the brainstorming session. Oh, but you see no. this at the highest levels oh. and it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but it's also just, I think especially for young creatives in Ireland, it's especially frustrating because there's no way of breaking into that club no. and they're all just slapping each other on the back. You know? And it's also that another issue for like the even younger aspiring artists. It's like, how can you be it if you can't see it? So like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It creates a bigger yeah. hole. Alrighty, will we move on to our um, poetry section? Yes! What kind of poetry have you found yourself this week, Neve? So, um, for me, I've been reading um, Joan McBreen. She is a writer, she's born in um, Sligo, and she actually qualified originally as a primary school teacher. She published her first set of poetry in um, 1990 Mm. and is now on her sixth anthology, anthology. Um, and has been featured in a lot of other publications as well. So the poem that I'm reading today is called Constancy and it was written actually uh, this year in 2020. I never asked you to cut back the overgrown Scots pine now framed against a clear blue sky. Overnight severe frost paralyzed the garden. Snowdrops are upright, determined to survive. One bird, a crow, tries to scrape its hungry beak through the hidden grass. I will carry these images into another day, yet keep ravages of grief from you, my gift when I have nothing else to offer. Oh my gosh. 
kind of starts off heartbreaking and then it becomes friendly it kind of it, it, it's a similar to me the way that the poem works is kind of similar to like frost melting mm. you know it kind of starts off as like you've got that image of kind of trying to like there's something nourishing and like important underneath and there's a layer of frost on top of it mm. and then it kind of falls into this I have a gift to you when I've nothing else to offer I have this you know yeah it's really lovely at first I thought it was going to be about like the recovery of a breakup but it's actually sort of like the like learning to love again mm. it's really nice but also I think that idea of like keeping ravages of grief from you is very much a kind of feminine feminine aspect of like yeah. how you're allowed to kind of share a, a, you know emotional burdens with a partner or with somebody yeah and do you have anything for me? yes I picked a poem called All My Poems Are Advertisements for Me and it's by Mark Waldron and I found it on the Poetry International Archives and I thought it was interesting so let me know what you think of it When I was young, there was nothing exactly stupid about the world. In fact, in the good old days, there was the thump and the tug of it, the way it heaved itself like a stone, yanked so to speak in glory, the way it fell up, crushed up and then crushed up again, getting newer and newer, louder and sweeter, the way it watched its own face fall between its fingers as though its face were a handful of gold coins. I think I might have known the whole drag of everything was going upwards, a tide that pulled me with it. Actually, I know I did. You were part of all of this, by the way. And the sky, well, where to begin? The sky was so adult, not imbecilic or thin or so-so or girlish. Did I outgrow it? Did I drink it, shoot it, find a way around it? Did I get inside it and drive off in it? Forgive me, but on my way to work this morning, even though the sun was on fire and the trees were up, I was in the apocalypse. Death is not what you think it is. It's actually what I think it is. Yeah. You know what, actually, when that, when, when that poem started, I was thinking, the first line makes it sound as, it, it sounds like that, you know, the boomer thing of like, well, when I was young. Mm. But then it kind of, that was my instant thing. And then I was like, oh no, this this poem is actually about all of us when we're young yeah and it's yeah. when I was young and you're it's not about a time it's about an experience of being young yeah and I think it's about realisation of power as well like coming through sort of depression a lot of people have that like very macabre thought like um, they find themselves on the other end of depression and they never picture that they'd be there and mm. they start to wonder how they got there and they feel because they've ne- hadn't haven't had power in so long think that there must have been some invisible power that yanked them through it yeah but in this poem he's realizing like i think i might have known the whole drag of everything was going upwards like i must have had something in me to pull myself exactly that's my personal strength exactly Exactly. which i think is nice um yeah i just i liked how that described it yeah i like that too we got our dinner yeah i'm really hungry all right okay bye Bye, guys